Welcome back, everybody. This is Flavor Report, where we deliver your favorite stories on food, drink, entertainment, travel, and adventure to our city sections all around the country and around the world. My name is Joe Winger. Today's interview is special and fun and interesting. It's an amazing woman. Her name is Eddie. She's from Carmel Winery, and I loved it because it was fresh. It was different. She has different opinions than we hear oftentimes. And for people who don't always... So if you want to hear a different kind of a conversation, a fresher perspective, that is today's. So we talk about Passover. We talk about family. We talk about the decisions she's made in her life to bring her to where she is today as a happy, successful wine professional. I found it really inspiring and interesting. So without further ado, let's jump right into our conversation with Eddie from Carmel Winery. So thank you so much for making time to connect and have this conversation. I'm excited to learn more about Carmel and the wines and frankly, you as well. Um, Thank you. My pleasure. So starting off generally, what is your favorite thing about wine and what was the moment that inspired you to get into wine professionally? So I think it's a great question because every wine lover or wine connoisseur or wine educator loves this answer, uh, this question, because uh, it's it's really something that's easy to answer. Uh, first thing is, uh, um, to me, wine in general uh, defines many things and relates to a lot of happy moments. Every time I think about wine, especially as a Jewish person, uh, we used to celebrate a lot around wine. All of our holidays are around wine. So every time you get together and it's a special moment, uh, by the way, Carmel is, is just one of them because it's been there forever. It's 140 year old. Oh my gosh. So it's easy for us uh, to connect immediately to joyful moments that has to do with Carmel wine. So uh, my first encounter with wine, generally speaking, was on my Seder meal. Was I think I was like 10 years old. And my father, you know, we, we have to celebrate. I will talk about that later, but we have to celebrate the freedom and exodus and all that. So he gave me, <laughs> he gave me the first glass. And I was like, no, this is, this is not what I was, I was expecting to drink. I was 10 years old, but because it's a must. Uh, that was the first encounter, but uh, when we're talking about my real encounter with wine, my, my true and honest one is when I joined the wine business, when I was uh, around my 30s, and I visited the vineyards just to learn about the winemaking process, and I met two beautiful vintners that worked in the field, and to listen to them and to their passion about winemaking and about the vines and about the agriculture and how happy they are to receive every drop of rain in the winter and how important the sun is when it's really hot for the grapes. It made me fall in love really in, in, in that uh, field even more. I, I love that. I love um, the history and the romance kind of that you're bringing up in the almost without sounding too, the, the, it's poetry, you know? And so I really appreciate your perspective on that. Um, 
So is wine exporter the best title for you? Or is that something from your background? Uh, actually, my background is wine, per excellence, for the past 20 years, which yeah. I'm very happy about. I'm the luckiest person on earth. <laughs> and I was thinking when uh, you asked me that question is, when you export wine, I think it's the best thing to export because it always involves, first of all, passion, as I mentioned before, um, love of wine, love of people. So wine export, for me, is uh, it doesn't matter what, how you pronounce my, uh, how you define my role. Uh, it's just uh, whatever you say, I'll accept. That's off the record. Fair enough. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but uh, involving involving export uh, yeah. in, is, is is first it was a scary thing because um, it's a big thing. It's all over the world, and I was doing it in Israel. I was selling wine. I was educating people about wine, and then when I was promoted at the company to become the export, means I was I became the ambassador of the items of the wines to tell the world that Israel is making one of the best wines in the world and also had that history so mm. combining knowledge combining love combining passion and of course you have to have the skills which is uh, the business management the the uh, um, um, the international skills that you need to have uh, you have to know how to negotiate you have to uh, have this business management skills in general when you combine that together with wine, it's also fun. I mean, there's two things together that I love. And I think this is why uh, we are finally uh, making it. I mean, it's when you combine these two, you're able also to promote growth, which is the most important thing in the business. Eventually, you got to promote growth and increase imagery of the winery. What inspired you to get into the business side of wine? Where did that, that passion come from? Well, um, actually, I didn't really I know anything about wine. I used to live in California, mm-hmm. uh, about maybe one hour flight from Napa Valley. I didn't even know about Napa. I was totally in the outside business of that. I was a nurse in the ah. United States. I used to live in the United States as a nurse. Mm-hmm. And I used to drink uh, white uh, semi-dry wines, which is this is what I liked. And I thought it was a good uh, entry-level wine. And that's it. That, that's what it ends. But when I came to Israel, Mm-hmm. I saw how the industry is evolving so much that I decided to move with my family down south to an area called Yatir, which is a desert mountain. Okay. And in the desert mountain, there were maybe uh, 12 or 15 plots of uh, beautiful vines. And I would ask, is it for food? You eat the vines? And they say, no, it's for wine. <laughs> and that's how I got into the first encounter with, with wine in general. And then a year later, I heard that they're opening a winery down south and they're looking for someone to uh, sell the wines. And I said, oh, that, that's a good thing for me because nursing was more than enough. Okay. I wanted to start something new. I wanted to do something for my soul. So I moved down south and I became uh, the wine educator of Yatir Winery, which yeah. is a very unique winery. And we'll talk about it um, one day. The same. Okay. It's, it's under, under the wings of Carmel. It's owned by Carmel. Outstanding. So I worked yeah. there for 15 years, and 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 after 15 years, they promoted me to become the ambassador of, of Carmel Wines as well. That's amazing. Uh, something you said a second ago, that you moved your entire family from you know, United States to Israel, that sounds like a very dramatic statement. 
at, at the time, was it a big risk? Was it dramatic? Was it easy? Was it an easy decision? What was that decision like to move? It, it was like, I, I'll, I'll refine it. Uh, I, I met my husband, my current husband in America. He came and we fell in love. And I said, okay, you, great. You'll stay with me in America. And he said, I'm very much a miss home. And I'm sure you do too. Let's give it a try in Israel. So we moved together and then we got married. And then we moved down south with the whole family after I gave two babies. Okay. Gave birth to two babies. And today I have three. Congratulations. Oh my goodness. I can I... enjoy wine. That's all. They <laughs> they just they do all the rest. I'm so glad I asked that because really as as we're speaking, you know, I, I feel like romance really has generated a lot of your life's direction. And that's a very beautiful thing. Um, yes. Okay. Yes, sir. So Passover. I think when you're making wine or you're in the wine business, you've got to have that part in you, which has a romance as well. Yeah. You have to love the sunsets. You have to love the uh, the view when you drive. When I drive down to work, I see all this desert, you know, uh, clouds sitting in the valley. you got to stop a minute and look at it. I mean, some people, they just drive and all that, but. Hey, I stop and I look. I think I think it's important to have that because it helps you promote the items as well. I love that. And I agree with you. I, I think um, I haven't been to Israel yet, but especially in Northern California, so often you can pull over to the side of the road and just look at the scenery because it's gorgeous. And the best part is sometimes that scenic beauty is just such a surprise. It's, un it's unexpected. Even if you know it's a beautiful area, you can just turn around the corner and, and down a hill and suddenly... You, it's ridiculously breathtaking, beautiful, and so absolutely, absolutely. Especially in Israel, there's Israel is a small country, okay, and it's got north to south. A, a Carmel Winery, for example, has because it's been there for 140 years. Ah, we were able to uh, get Baron Rothschild established a winery, so he was a, a men's, a man of means. He had a lot of uh, financial means mm -hmm. that he could actually. Purchase parts of the land where are today considered the top areas for wine growth. So if you ever come to Israel, you owe me a visit. I would love I that. I would love see. that. <laughs> and and I tell you, in, it's in the north or in the south or in the Judean Hills or in the northern shore. Carmel Winery has those vineyards. That's why we were able to actually be in the top areas of wine production. And I I, I don't even remember why I said that, but I always talk about that because. It's also a part of the romance. I mean, when you go up in the north and you see this unique climate and you go two hours from there, which is a totally different thing. And it's so short areas between one another. Mm -hmm. You go even further another hour, you become a you come to desert vineyards, which is amazing. I mean, such small scale country, but yet such a, a huge diversity. Switching to Passover because it's coming up. Um, mm -hmm. I, I love this question. I love asking a winemaker questions like this because there's the cliche, which is if you, if you have a table with five or six winemakers at that table and you ask them certain questions, you might get 13 answers out of six people. And so, uh, what is wine's role in Passover and what should our audience be thinking about when choosing wines for their Passover celebration? Mm-hmm. So that, that was, I had to think about that because, you know, we're Jewish. We don't think about that too much because it's obvious. Uh -huh. 
Okay. But uh, basically, so I'm just going to look at my little notes here. Oh, sure. Um, uh, for me, again, uh, Passover or in general, uh, the wine role in, in Passover is, is really to take uh, it in four glasses, in four shots, like in four tastings. That has a meaning. It means everybody can think differently. I mean, you can think, why would you use four? You would want to be drinking one glass. And then after the fourth, you're like just a different person from one point to the other. You change from one glass to the fourth one. That's the, the, dyna the, the dynamic thing in wine. The second thing is a, a really a celebration of moment of joy, because we tend to forget how important it is to be uh, free. When you are free, you have to celebrate your freedom. And that's what I love about Passover is just that we never pass over the, the thought that we were self salvaged and saved from 400 years of, of, uh, of, um, of slavery. And I think we have been going through a lot of things throughout. After these 400 years, still, we went through a lot. Mm -hmm. But it, it always puts you back in focus. It always reminds you that you should always celebrate the freedom because if you're there and you're free, uh, that's the time to bring it up to your conscious and understand that you are a free human being. That's not something to be taken for granted. So this is my basic uh, understanding of Passover in general and wine. I love that. It's beautiful. Um, it's very yeah. inspiring. Uh, so that, that almost segues as well to... I would say half of our audience is very knowledgeable to things like Passover culture, but there's a lot of people out there who aren't as knowledgeable. So from a very basic point of view, can you explain what kosher wine is, how it's different from other wine, and maybe share a little bit about the details and process of how kosher wine is made? Okay, that's, that, that is always, I must say, is something that's difficult for me to answer because uh, I am coming from a generation that uh, in the past, it's mm -hmm. like a mid-generation. My parents, they used to drink the sacramental, very heavy, alcoholic, sugary wines that you drink them. And then you're like, after five minutes, you need to kind of settle in or eat something so you won't get really dizzy, mm -hmm. as opposed to wines that are produced the same way Wine was being produced in, uh, in Italy, in France, uh, in Australia, California, and so forth. This is what we do today. We are happen to be kosher. And what makes us happen to be kosher, or what, what makes this happening, is that uh, we produce wine like the rest of the world. We uh, make sure that we harvest at the right time. Uh, we uh, use a, a, um, the right varieties that will match the terroir and so forth, and then aging in barrels and fermentations and stainless steel and so forth. The only difference that you would see is the biblical laws that were, were uh, in order to produce wine, mm. were imposed. I mean, something that would they have you do in order to become kosher. So the main basic law that everyone should remember is that the person who's producing the wine needs to be an observant Jew. That's the basic law, okay? Mm -hmm. When it comes down to the vines, there's some biblical, you know, things that you need to uh, do, but I wouldn't even mention it because the most important thing is, is that person that produces the wine has always a yarmulke on his head. It's like a little thing on his head. Uh -huh. And he's observing Jew. That's the only thing. Um, we just happen to be kosher. 
I, I, I love that answer. And the one thing I wanted to kind of reinforce is how you started by saying, you know, you, you don't like that question because you have a different perspective on it. And the thing I, I want to bring up is the reason I love your answer is because there's so many different approaches to culture, too many different perspectives. And over the past few days and weeks, I've gotten to ask a lot of people these kinds of similar questions. And it really helps an outsider understand it better because some people take that question very seriously and they get very detailed into what I'm going to call like a wine geek conversation. But not everybody cares about a wine geek conversation, you know? And so it's kind That's of like you go to any family celebration. If you ask your mom, your grandfather, and then your your cousin, you know, your younger cousin, what's something yeah. else, what's Christmas morning all about, or what's Thanksgiving, or you, you name any holiday, they might have exactly. very, very, very different opinions. And so of I love your answer. And I think it's Thank only how more people recognize it, realize it better. Um of so course. Now let's talk about the good stuff, the actual wine. Um, yeah. My understanding is... Well, I can tell you one more thing is that oh, it's important do, yeah. to understand that if I make wine in Israel and a lot of people here are kosher people, they drink kosher, they drink only kosher, mm. I'm very happy that we have that ability because we can expand uh, the consumer's uh, uh, palate. They can drink more and more wines and Carmel from day one was always kosher because it was a basic thing. It was like something, a fundamental, I would say. A very big special thank you to Verbo. With over 2 million bookable vacation rentals, Verbo connects homeowners with families and vacationers looking for something more than a hotel for their trip. The Verbo community offers families an array of rental property types, such as condos, cabins, lake rentals, beach houses, and more. Discover properties and destinations that everyone dreams of visiting. Verbo, where families travel better together. Find more information at verbo.com. That's V-R-B-O dot com. Okay, back to the show. Now, my understanding is Carmel has two new wines we're going to be talking about. Uh, both right. single vineyard and so are we focusing on these two or is there more than two uh well i i always well when you are a winery that produces wine for 140 years yeah. and rothschild is going to be so happy and proud about us we always have to mention him i always love mentioning the consecutive harvest that we carry i mean it's not an easy thing especially not in israel mm. especially even during muslim era especially even during Ottoman era, we continued to produce wine in Israel, which is a great thing. And me, I, I am privileged to work in such a winery that actually uh, the, prime, the first prime minister of Israel used to work there. So huh? this is the great thing. It's not just the history of it all, but it's also the, the, uh, the how do you say, when one step after the other, it never stopped. And you can, the continuous uh, work, and the, the love of the land and the 108 families of growers that escort us since day one. So this is, this is not just about the winemaking, but it's also to uh, preserve that uh, philosophy, to preserve that uh, making in, in, in a few five to thousand years from now to keep it going, which is not an easy thing. No. So 
Uh, me, of course, I come from Carmel. What's important for me is to talk about generally Carmel that is able to produce wine from wide spectrums of wines, from even, I mean, when we sit together, you talked about Passover. You say there's uh, 18-year-old, there's 20, there's all kinds of generations there, Z, Y, whatever they name it, with all kinds of letters. Mm -hmm. But eventually it's people we want to uh, bring in and invite to the wine world because the wine world in Israel is just, you know, since the 1970s, something like that. Even though they used to produce wine thousands of years ago, huh. the Muslim era until the 7th century, there was no wine at all. So when Rothschild came, oh my goodness, he had to start everything from scratch. So when what he started, we actually sustain. And when we sit together in the table of Passover, there is 18-year-old, 23 to 30, and we all know how wine evolves your palate. I mean, I started with semi-dry wines, and today um, I would go for the Volcano, which is the single vineyard one, you know, the geeky one that goes into <laughs> oak and large oak, but how long it stayed and how long it was fermented and so forth, as opposed to my 21-year-old. She says, Mom, give me something light and fun. So this is what's so beautiful about Carmel is that you can give them the Buzz series, which is a sparkling uh, flavored wine and it's semi-sweet and they love it. Mm -hmm. But yet on the other hand, my father would like the brandy, which we also produce. And and my uh, me, myself, would go for the high-end one. So everybody around the table can enjoy their own glass of wine and that's miraculous in a country like us like ours yeah I think it's achievement that that is that, wonderful that kept me going there <laughs> but that, it's a really really great point and how you explain you versus you know your daughter versus your grandfather um so yeah. is there one or two or three wines that we can talk about as far as taste profile and as far as uh pairing goes which which wines would mm -hmm. you like to talk about which which one two three do you want to pick because I'm at the age of so forth and so forth and liking this geeky kind of wines, I want to talk about Carmel uh, Signature. Okay. Carmel Signature is all the premium wines of Carmel is under that uh, and under that uh, label. It uh, means that you can make uh, the regular table wines, but when you drink Signature and it has a signature on it, ah. it would say Carmel Signature with the with the uh, symbol of spies, of course. We always carry the symbol of spies that carry. I don't know if you got to see our logo. I'll show it to you later. But put that that aside. Okay. When you see Carmel Signature, that means it's coming from the top vineyards in Israel. It's the uh, coming up from uh, the Galilee. It's coming from the Judean Hills. It's always being picked from uh, the general uh, vineyards, single vineyards that are growing up in the north. <laughs> So it's really, really meticulous care. And eventually, it's also when it comes into the winery, it's separated in oak. And then after the fermentation, and then it's blend together uh, for a while until it creates a beautiful blend. So two things I want to talk about. One is my, uh, these days we are launching what we call single vineyard, which is a very famous uh, among the kosher drinkers. Mm -hmm. uh, because they love it. They, they know what single vineyard from Carmel. I want to try this because it's been since 2010. And uh, we are a, a launching today something a bit higher. It's called Volcano because it comes from a special vineyard that was planted in 2010 and picked from their uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, which Americans love. Mm -hmm. So take that and take single vineyard together and take the signature meticulous work 
eventually you get something that's really, really beautiful on the palate, very rich, but yet something you can age and drink it uh, five to 10 years from now. That's amazing. Um, Singalinia Volcano Cabernet 2019. So is this, uh, I'm, I'm looking at some notes. This is the 2019. Um, how do I pronounce the name of the hill? Uh, it's Mech, we, you can say Mechfi. Mechfi, you can call it Mechfi. Uh, it's very hard to say the ha. A lot of Israelis there. We have the head, head, <laughs> the throat there. So um, I try to make everyone uh, pronounce it because it's important, but still it's the name of the vineyard. It, that's how it is what it is. Yeah. So Mechfi is easier to pronounce better than Mahfi. It's like a, almost a, it's a valley of tears in the northern Galilee. I, I think, um, thank you for that. I think okay. so what I, the, the two approaches I usually take, depending on who I'm, I'm having, dinner or, or a glass of wine with is either the wine geek approach or the winemaker where we get very intense about it and very detailed and I get to learn, or it's the yeah. more basic introduction to somebody where I I'm sometimes in the position where I'm teaching them the most one-on-one basic ideas about it. And I think there's such a reputation for wine being intimidating that things like, I mean, as, as simple as how do I pronounce that word? could be a reason enough why somebody wouldn't want to do it because they're scared to know, oh no, I'm going to sound foolish. I'm going to sound silly. And that's why I asked you. And so let's, let's just because, I mean, I'm looking at the bottle and I, I, I black and red fruit and cinnamon and, and fresh red strawberry fruit flavors, tobacco. It, it sounds like a very rich, rich, well-structured wine. And I'm just, let's talk for a second about, you know, what would you pair with this wine if you were going to have it with dinner? What, what kind of food did you make? Well, definitely when, uh, when we are drinking such a rich and full wine, you would expect uh, to have a matching experience with the food. So uh, usually people would go for the, you know, for the roasted part, for something that's got a lot of fat because it's rich in tannins. I would actually go for the long cook lamb because I'm Mediterranean, I'm Tunisian. So I would put all these herbs inside and yet these herbs would not damage the, the quality of the wine or the flavors it also pronounces. But long cook, when you take a bite, a bite of that alongside rice pilaf, uh, pilaf, you say rice pilaf? You know what that is? Like a, mm -hmm. a mixture of uh, uh, spices. It should be matching perfectly to that Cabernet Sauvignon. I mean, the, the balance you would get in the palate is, is quite amazing. I love that. I love that. Um, well, let's, let's move to our second wine. Um, our, is this the Merlot? Um, actually, Merlot less, because some, some people saying, ah. I saw all these uh, wine phrases. I'm like, I, I don't talk too much about Merlot, especially not after sideways. So. I kind of moved it aside and I let the palate decide and I didn't make, uh, we did not produce a lot of it. So right now Merlot is important, but I put it aside. What I want to talk about is a wine called Carmel Mediterranean. It's also Ooh. on the Carmel signature, which received 96 points by Decanter, which was a big, big thing for us. You know, you say, you don't know about the Israeli wines or how to pronounce them and all that. The, um, the English or the Americans that came here in, the, in 2000, they said, you, you guys still don't know how to make wine. We're not, we're not sure if we want to try them. But when they tried it, they were just blown away. 
And a Mediterranean Carmel is just a combination of, it's got Carignan, it's got Petit Verdot, it's got Petit Syrah, it's got vineyards, single vineyards separated from all of Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, combined later on after eight months in oak together as a blend. And when you taste it, it feels like you are tasting some part of the Judean Hills climate, which is limestone and rocky chalky. And when you go up to uh, the, the, the northern Galilee, it's just a bit wetter. There's more rain there. So you would feel a lot more earthiness and herbiness into the wines. And combining that together with also some of the northern shore, Carignan, which is 100-year-old vines, that just gives you a sensation on your palate that you can't give up. And then we say Israel is in one bottle called Carmel Mediterranean and the Carmel Signature. Wow, that, that sounds incredible. And now I'm... You want to taste them? I would love to, my gosh. <laughs> we would have raised oh. the glass together. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because I don't know those notes in front of me, what kind of food did you pair with that? What would be, uh, what would you recommend to cook? What, what would dinner tonight be if you were having that bottle? What do you think? Well, I would say, um, I would say that the, in this part, because it's got a lot of varieties, like Petit Verdot is really tannic, it's really mm -hmm. strong. So I would go for the fatty side. Okay. And I would go for a beef bourguignon Ooh. alongside uh, alongside uh, tagine potato, which is like a big uh, it's a it's a big clay that brings out some of the uh, uh, some of the smoky flavors in the potato. I, I would combine that alongside small salad, and that's it because I want to keep the rest of my enjoyment into the wine. There and you, you know what? I noticed that I opened it. I gotta let it air like a genie coming out of the bottle. And then I drink it the next day. It's even, oh my goodness. It's just such a different experience. Wow. That, I mean, if, if you're letting it decant overnight, I mean, that's, there's a lot of muscle in that bottle then. That's beautiful. I'm, I, I wish I, that sounds amazing. That sounds delicious. Well, next time you come in February, look me up because I always come in February and we should meet and maybe go out and have a tasting somewhere. You know, it's just an established a establishment of relationship which is something always good and if you ever come to Israel we have two wineries to show you which are the pioneers of high quality and a wine production in general okay I, I will absolutely take you up on that and I love to travel so any excuse to get on a good. plane so about your winemaker right and just imagine that you are entering a, a factory as you finish school because in israel we did not uh, study for wine we had to send our winemakers overseas okay uh, so some of them went to california some of them went to australia uh, france and so forth uh, iftah peretz uh, graduated the unology in italy and uh, he as he landed in israel back with his unology degree he started working at Carmel and he's been with us uh, for many, many years. Uh, and then for a while, he just had a small break, went to a different winery and then came back to us as the, the chief winemaker. Ah. And we are producing uh, over 1.2 million cases a year, which is not a, you know, an easy uh, thing to manage. But in general, his philosophy is what we were talking before, is to make sure that your wines are so great, but yet affordable, what we call affordable luxury. I love so, it. I wanted to give him uh, what we say, lechaim, which is to life, to make sure we celebrate life, we celebrate moment of joy, 
And definitely when you have such a great winemaker or someone who really understands the, the final consumer, which is not a usual thing. They usually make wine. They want to make it for their, for their own palate. He also thinks about our final consumers, which is a great thing for us. And, and uh, I think it was important to mention. Absolutely. One more time. What was his name? Uh, Iftach is mm-hmm. Y-I-F-T-H-A, Iftach, yeah. Peretz, P, like Peretz. Okay. Because you mentioned February, um, what was your role and involvement at this year's Kosher Fest? Were were you involved? And if so, tell me about your experience. Yes, uh, I was, uh, as as an expert director of Carmel Winery, I'm in charge of the U.S. market. So basically, I make sure that uh, we are being well presented in a table called Carmel Winery and Yatir, which is underneath the Carmel. Mm-hmm. Uh, under under Carmel's uh, wings, I mean, and uh, of course, um, I do trade, I do business management, I am a, the 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 contact person for Carmel in the United States, and mm-hmm. I work very strongly with Royal Kedem, which is our uh, exporter in America. And um, what what my main mission was to promote the wines and talk about Carmel and keep the imagery going. And uh, I think we did really, really good. It was one of the best shows. And I think people after COVID just were, you know, everybody wants to kind of enjoy life and, and understand and enjoy the moment as well. So I think that was really outstanding show. Yes. Plus trade-wise, we also before Passover. So a lot of people come and they taste and they want to know what to buy for the holiday. We- yeah, let's talk about how to buy a good bottle. Let's talk about what a, the, a wine shop strategy is. You know, if uh, I if I would be like completely honest and uh, maybe not always on the record, I would say go to the shop and buy Carmel. And if you find Yatir, grab another one from there. But because it's me and where I work, but I think it's really important to be fair and to be honest to consumers. Is is I think when you start your wine world. It's a different approach. You can go to the supermarket in Israel and buy wine. In America, you got to go to a specific wine shop. Usually in that shop, there's a person. That's always elevating your wine shopping experience. Why? Because you have someone who's knowledgeable, who's hand-selling the item. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you heard from a friend tells you, go and get, get the wines you think you should be getting. But to be honest with yourself, you have to start opening yourself to wine tastings. First of all, uh, go and uh, share, uh, um, I mean, not share, uh, c- consume information mm. about wine tasting. Taste as many things as you can until you get to that shelf, because there's a long way to that shelf. Mm-hmm. Of course, ask the person he will recommend. Always ask your friends, what do you think is a good wine? Always ask yourself. What do you like? Do you like sweet cherries or do you like them sour? It's really, really important to know your own taste before you buy your own wine. So it's a long road to Tipperary. Is that a song like that? There's a song that says, it's a long way. (laughs) It's the same thing with wine. Don't get intimidated from the big words like, oh, it's got the berry and the spices and all that. Don't get alarmed from that because eventually you would feel that too, but it takes about five years. It took me five years. Mm. So Mm. going to a shop, make a long story short, look for the label. Make sure, don't get overstressed of how long the wine is being aged and so forth. Ask yourself what you like. If you like it sweet, semi, 
dry, uh, you want to make progress to heavy wines that you want to, you know, pay for, uh, just just play along with whatever your senses are. And um, I, I would think give a chance every, every time you go, make changes. Don't get fixated on one bottle. If there's Carmel, for example, and you want to go mm-hmm. buy Carmel, and you are in the beginning of it, go for the lighter ones. If you are someone who likes the Cabernet, go look for the cabs. And if you're someone who are looking for something fancy or just something interesting or exotic, go and look for the Mediterranean that gives you Mediterranean, you know, climate warming, you know, the, the climate is warming up. Yeah. These are exactly the wines you want to be drinking when it's hot. You want to drink something that's red, but it's not overbearing. So as I said, uh, make sure you know your own taste before uh, you pick your own wine. I love it. I, I, I agree with you, but again, how you're explaining it makes it sound so simple, not in a bad way, but, but simple meaning straightforward. And yes. so really, you know, whenever we're doing anything, it's about, you know, what, what are we going to personally enjoy and, and why it should be similar in that mindset. A very big special thank you to Verbo. With over 2 million bookable vacation rentals, Verbo connects homeowners with families and vacationers looking for something more than a hotel for their trip. The Verbo community offers families an array of rental property types such as condos, cabins, lake rentals, beach houses, and more. Discover properties and destinations that everyone dreams of visiting. Verbo where families travel better together. Find more information at Verbo.com. That's V-R-B-O dot com. Okay, back to the show. So many people think you have to spend big bucks in order to have a quality wine. And I would love your opinion. I would love any buying tips you have as far as how to have a great bottle without... This is going to sound like a, a cliche, but how to have a great bottle without breaking the bank? Well, um, I, I'm so happy you asked me that question because this is exactly what I'm, re- what I'm representing. Um, I come from Yatir, right? From the area where we make only high-end wines and every wine is like $45 to $100. Mm. So yet when I started working for Carmel, I just I was opened up to so many options. Even the simplest wines that cost $15 to $25 give me something rich in my palate and fun and you can match it to a meal and you can talk about it. It just becomes something so inexpensive, but yet it's got some sort of complexity. But there's also what we call mid-premium, which is between uh, $30 um, um, sweet spot Mm-hmm. Uh, to maximum forty dollars. That's something I would definitely, you know, for mid the mid the stay. How do you say mid the? You know, uh, not mediocres, but the middle ones. Uh, okay. Most of us are like that. Uh, mid class people, excuse me. Okay. Mid class people would go for that range. So definitely look for uh, wines that are ranging between thirty to forty dollars for like big events that you have. Like if it's a wedding, I would go for $50, but mm-hmm. there are so many great wines for $30 to $40. By the way, Signature, Carmel Signature, offers a wine called Four Vat, Mediterranean Four Vat, which stayed in four big vats. And it costs around $35, maximum $40. Huh. And when you taste it, 
you just want to make sure that you have another wine on the side to grab a, and open a bottle. So I'm just saying it's not going to have to necessarily tear your pocket, but it depends on how much you are willing to invest. And I think around $30 to $40 is a great price. And there's so many wines around that, especially from Carmel. Beautiful. No, I, 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 I love your advice here. And I think for 30, 35, 40 bucks, you know, I'm, I'm excited to go to the store or check out your website and see what the options are. Um, mm-hmm. So we're wrapping up as we wrap up first and foremost, thank you so much for your time and your opinions here and explaining your background and helping us understand not just kosher wine, but Carmel wine and just all the different options. So thank you for your time with that. Pleasure. And, and uh, as we wrap up, just, Someone who, who's watching us or listening to us, what do you want our, our audience to do now that we have new information about Passover and kosher wines? If someone was inspired, what would you ask our audience to do now, now with this new information? Um, first of all, uh, I know that I am like sometimes a drop in a sea. And I would like everyone to give us a chance and understand that Israel is such a a wonderful country that has such diversity and so much to offer when it comes down to wine. So look Carmel Winery up. Make sure that if you visit Israel, visit our winery in Zichon Yaakov where Baron Rothschild came in in the late 19th century. And make sure that if you are in a store, look us up and grab a bottle of wine and tell us what you think. And by the way, we're always open for, a, for any other advices that you have or if you would look for something else. But Israel is a, is a big thing, is, is a wine terroir, has all, a, all the offers to make when it comes down to wine. So uh, I always say drink uh, to happy moments and make sure that uh, you remember us uh, next time you come to the show. Oh, I love it. That was so sweet. Um, and I'm I'm about to go on your website right now because I cannot wait to go shopping. So thank, thank you, you so much for you your time. You can find our wines at easily and they ship all over the United States. Oh, perfect. That's perfect. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to check it out. But one last time, thank you for your See, I told you that was amazing, and it was. I just really enjoyed her conversation. Um, thank you, Eddie, so much. Thank you, Carmel Winery. Um, I've tasted your wines before. I can't wait to taste them again. I can't wait to have them with dinner sometime soon. But I really just enjoyed that conversation. So, Eddie, I appreciate your time. And uh, anyway, for now, thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Carmel Winery. And we'll see you next time on Flavor Report. A very big special thank you to Verbo. With over 2 million bookable vacation rentals, Verbo connects homeowners with families and vacationers looking for something more than a hotel for their trip. The Verbo community offers families an array of rental property types such as condos, cabins, lake rentals, beach houses, and more. Discover properties and destinations that everyone dreams of visiting. Verbo, where families travel better together. Find more information at verbo.com. That's V R B O.com. Okay, back to the show. <laughs>